I'm Ece Özdemiroğlu. I'm Sabina Apet. And I'm Jill Duggan. And this is Join the Dots. I'm an environmental economist. Sabina is an environmental scientist. Jill is an expert in climate and energy policy. We've spent our careers giving advice about the environment, and we know choices are never straightforward. Here in each show, we explore the issues surrounding an everyday choice to help you decide what's best for your health, wallet, and our planet. The problem with New Year's resolution is that we often have too many of them and they are too ambitious. Years of making and breaking them leads to disappointment and they either become a joke or are dropped altogether. So this year we decided to pick one thing and see it through. We'll let you know how we get on and maybe we'll make episodes out of our experience. If you'd like to share your one thing, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Search for Join the Dots podcast or write to us on www.jointhedotspodcast.com. My one thing is to reduce the environmental impacts of my two cats. Neil and I don't have children and I for one never wanted to take the responsibility of having a pet until Neil ran a three-year campaign that ended with the addition of two tabby brothers to our family, um, Merlin and Tarchin. Tarchin is a ginger tabby and Tarchin means cinnamon in Turkish. Um, they came from a home of about 20 cats um, and they're just your usual British short hair, I think they're called. Um, and, and we treat them really like our babies. <laughs> I have no shame in admitting that. Um, I'm a little upset because they're indoor cats. We live on the third floor um, on the main road, so they can't really be let out. Uh, they do enjoy looking out of the window and watching the birds in the park across the main road. Um, they're a bit fickle in what they eat. Um, they don't, they have, I think, been treated once or twice for fleas because they're indoor cats. We don't have to do that very much. They're obviously vaccinated and they do go through a fair bit of cat litter. And I'm aware that all these things that we have to do to keep them with us have environmental impacts. Um, so I have signed up already to a couple of litter services, um, which I will try and I'm going to try and reduce um, at least the food mileage of their food um, and keep them on white meat, which they mostly are on at the moment. And I will make a diary of my experiences and hope to hope to make this into an episode sometime in 2021. That's a really interesting issue, Ajay. I think there's an episode in that mm. or two or five. It would be interesting to calculate the, you know, the change in environmental impact of the actions, wouldn't it? You know, you know, when you worry about the environmental impact of your cats and yet you feel guilty that you don't let them outside, you know, there's a lot of evidence that outdoor cats are incredibly damaging to ecosystems mm. because of the animals they kill and you're doing the environment a favor by keeping them indoors. 
My husband used to fight against that, Andrew, um, when we had cats at home, and he used to really anthropomorphize that they're suffering. But I think if they've always been indoors, Mm. they're okay. They don't know what they're doing. What do you mean, anthropomorphize? They talk to me. They do. (laughs) Of course. Um, (laughs) They're your babies. And Bean's my baby, too, now that my other babies are gone. So we anthropomorphize shamelessly. Beans is a cocker spaniel, is that right? She's no. a springador. She's half chocolate lab and half springer spaniel. Lovely. Cocoa bean truffle pup. <laughs> or bean. Bean, bean. We haven't managed to meet bean in person because of COVID, but but we will yeah. one day. In the aftertimes. <laughs> yes, it will feel like the aftertimes, won't it? Okay, who's next? Unlike you, Ed J, I think what my resolution is to try to think about what positive changes that were imposed on me this year I can hang on to. I mean, traditionally being an independent consultant doing environmental, linking environmental science to decision making, I travel a lot. I, I my, I, working from home, I have a fairly small environmental footprint for my business when I'm at home, but I fly around the world to multiple conferences. That's where I um, try to impress people and make them decide they need to rent my brain. And also, I go to a lot of project meetings. A couple years ago, I had a project where I needed to be in Portland, Oregon, about once a month for almost a year and a half. I tried to reduce some of those footprints by working from San Diego, my other home, between meetings a couple of times and doing other things like seeing my mother and seeing my chosen family in California and being in the Pacific and things like that. But the fact is that until COVID hit, I spent almost as much time flying around and running around the planet as I did being here. And that was an important part of my business model, but also an important part of my joy. I love seeing the world. A lot of my friends are everywhere. Um, In COVID, I'm not alone in having had to change to Zoom meetings, um, remote meetings, remote conferences. And some of that has worked well. Some of it hasn't. I think it's less good for bringing business, but it's made us all realize that a lot of what we traveled for was more for our egos and the status than actually to advance the project. And my my resolution is to try very hard to resist the temptation to as quickly as possible return to the status quo. With my professional society, I'm going to try to work to ensure that we have an online component for our conferences. Wherever I can, I'm going to try to ensure that we only have in-face meetings, face-to-face meetings when they're really necessary and try to make them productive. And I'm going to re-examine the question of whether I can use more low-impact transport, whether I can convince clients and adjust my schedule and budget to doing the vastly more expensive low-impact things like taking trains 
rather than ju- jumping on a budget airline. At times in the past, it's take uh, when I've looked, it's cost up to ten times as much to take a train rather than fly, and often it's hard to justify the time. So my objective is to try to figure out how I decide what is essential to seek slow travel, to remain remote even when the world is open to me again and calling out to me and trying to find some middle ground where I get to escape enough to stay sane, but don't travel (laughs) halfway across the world just because I want to and figure out when I need to. Cool. Very good. Do you do you count your carbon miles? I do not. Um, you can do that actually. It's quite easy. At FTEC, we do we do that, and we then buy a biocarbon offset. I often pay for offsets, mm. but I think I I'm not convinced they're not a scam. <laughs> I mean, it's like a lot of these things, like when we do no net loss of biodiversity and yeah. therefore think we can bulldoze through an ancient no, no. forest. Um, it's no. better not to do the damage in the fir- first place. I mean, sure. we've said many times that in the hierarchy, the first is reduce. Yeah, but you're not you're not gonna t- completely avoid traveling. So exactly, and the joy of my profession has been to be able to see the world. Yeah, exactly. And and m- build friendships everywhere. And so finding a middle ground is going to be a challenge. And I don't pretend I'm never gonna fly again. I'm not <laughs> sure I can do that. But I think trying to push towards more efficient or important travel rather than saying yes simply because it's wonderful to go everywhere um is is the objective so i really struggle with what i should do but like you i've tried to think of something positive to do rather than than deprive myself of something and and so in order to deprive myself of something what i'm going to try and do is to think about what I am eating and drinking. And actually, this sounds really small and pathetic, but I'm going to try and drink more rubus tea without milk. And somebody's going to tell me that rubus tea has the most appalling environmental impact in the world ever, I'm sure. But the point being is that I think it's better for me to do that. And what I've been struggling with is trying to reduce the amount of dairy I I consume and the amount of coffee I consume and actually trying to do that just fixates me on coffee and dairy as whenever I try and deprive myself of anything and I really like Ruba's tea and I thought so the thing I need to do is to try and actually think about how do I get more Ruba's tea into my my daily existence rather than how do I take the other things out and so that's the way I'm going to approach it this year is rather than than the failure I've been in the past where I've tried to substitute oat milk and last it till the middle of February, I'm going to try and, and take a different tack. So, so Jill, is it rubus tea specific or are you just talking about herbal teas? For me, it's I think it's a bit more of a sort of grown-up one that I can have at any time of day, whereas other herbal teas I tend to, to have, you know, towards bedtime, chamomile, help me go off to sleep. I'm a green tea drinker when I want the when I want the hit because those teas green white teas I can happily drink without milk. I'm not a big fan of black tea, but I I like you, I can't do coffee without milk. Yeah. 
I may just turn into a sleepy slug, you know, you, <laughs> you tell me. And I'm not saying I'm never going to drink coffee. I just want to cut mm. down on the amount of coffee that I'm drinking and the amount of milk that I'm having. And I want to see, see you know, that I'm buying less of those and buying more rubus. How long shall we wait for that? Like mid-February or March or something? Well, to see how, how whether it's working. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I, if I can get to the end of February, that'd be good. Okay, if you miss any recordings, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a good idea to cut back on coffee. I mean, I can't live without it, but we have great volumes of coffee. And I think even if I could cut it in half, it's about the only time I use milk. But mm. also, it's a lot of coffee, and you made us aware of the impacts of coffee imports. I don't, don't want to hear what you have to say about chocolate, but I have taken on board coffee. But so far, it's hard to act on it. I can't live without it. Yeah, there's a lovely video of chocolate from Ipes. What does Ipes stand for? Oh, like in, oh yeah, international... Um, it's, oh. Where is this? You know Ipes. I hate this when when acronyms become so common that you have to search for ages to to find what they stand for. They become almost like a word. Anyway, there's a, it's an intergovernmental science policy platform on biodiversity and ecosystem services. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, so does Ipes. But... <laughs> But, but um, like everyone you know working in that topic has been involved somehow. It's one of these like mega hundreds of scientists working for free to create things. If you're about to say something about chocolate, stop now. <laughs> no, there's a video that shows how dependent chocolate is on biodiversity. Okay, thank you. That's what they were saying. And actually it was the most most engaging um science biodiversity video i've seen cool because <laughs> it kept showing showing rolls of chocolate everywhere no i mean we can't live without chocolate it's one of the main food <laughs> groups i gave it up for two years i had hypnotherapy and it worked for two years but my daughter said it was like a light bit you know like a switch being flicked because yeah. literally after two years i suddenly started eating it again and couldn't stop well, you know, I eat mainly very dark chocolate, very low in added fats and sh added sugar. And I find I can eat it in very small volumes because it gives me a, it's like single malt whiskey. You get a heavy sensory hit. I find when I eat milk chocolate, which I'm not super crazy about, I eat more because I'm looking mm. for that theobromine hit, which you just don't get because it's so diluted. But I find some really good bitter dark chocolate really, you know, it, it's one of my drugs of choice. Sexy. Caffeine, theobromine, I need. Alcohol, I like, I can live without, but theobromine and caffeine, I'd have a hard time giving up. This is getting very personal now. Shall we end with saying, you know, Happy New Year and all that? Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Every year we say, let's make this year be better than the last. As they say, there's a, there's a saying in Turkish, actually, that the 
the the next one makes you yearn for the one before or something like that. It's not well. Let's translation, say but, you know, twenty twenty one would have to be really bad to be worse than twenty twenty, wouldn't it? Which we don't oh, want, right? Don't. <laughs> you know, that's the opposite of from your mouth to God's ears, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Well, please it. don't listen. <laughs> Apparently, Boris Johnson announced just now because we're recording this on the thirtieth of December that everything is going to be fine by fifth of April. Yeah. Um, anyway, sometime soon. <laughs> I always believe everything that man says. He's a paragon. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you in the New Year. <laughs> May 2021 be better than 2020. Yeah. Hallelujah. Peace. Peace. Peace and out. Thanks for listening. And thanks to the rest of the team, Tara Uyghur on podcast production and Neil McEwen on sound and music. If you enjoyed this, look out for our upcoming episodes and all other info on our website, jointhedotspodcast.com. <laughs>